0: As I was studying for this message today, I, uh, I'm i reminded of just different times and how many times that I have used this passage of Scripture. And uh, it's a lot. But there's something here that I just never had really focused on specifically. Chat just kind of lumped in with the rest of it, and I want to do that this morning. It's from Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. And if you've been here any length of time, you've heard me mention or quote this verse. And I've probably found, I think, at least a half a dozen different sermons where I've used this scripture in some context or form. treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. By the description that you see <laughs> in this passage, it says, it refers to in the last days. It's easy to understand how a true follower of Jesus Christ can read this passage and automatically see how it might apply today because we look around us and we see all these kinds of behaviors taking place. They are on full display and not very hard to find. You don't have to look very far to find someone that has one of these characteristics. There's two different characteristics in this passage that I want to focus on specifically. One is from verse 3, which says, without self-control. And the other one is from verse 4, which says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. These two really go hand in hand, and you really don't find one without the other. Even though there's some others that are separating them in this context. And that's why I picked the title for this message to be Time to Play. Time to play. When I was young, I heard an expression in church, in the church world of called playing church. How many have ever heard that expression? Some of us have been around a little while, you, you've been in the church a while, you've heard the term playing church. It was an expression used by Used for those people who would show up as attenders to church services uh, uh, of a, a Bible believing church on a regular basis. However, they were only going through the motions. It just seemed like that they really weren't solid in their faith. They were just kind of there. Those who were playing church, they were not committed to Jesus, but they went. Out of some formal commitment or social reason, or because they just wanted to be included in the church club. They didn't really allow the Word of God to challenge them and, and didn't think too much about it, about God, when they weren't at church. It was just an activity that was among many that they did. It was just a ritual. Their personal private life did not match up with what everyone else saw on Sunday. Back in the day, keeping your private life private was not as challenging as it is today. Today, the term playing church, I think, is pretty much obsolete. In our digital world, private life is rarely able to be private, And most today won't bother to go through the motions or pretend to play church or go to church and not really mean what they... I'm talking about to a Bible-believing church. I'm not talking about the false doctrine churches that are out there that people call church that really are far from the Word of God. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about in your Bible-believing churches, people by and large just won't go anymore They just said, I'm just not going. I'll find some other church that I can go to that won't challenge my faith and and, and, and won't confront me with the Holy Spirit. I just don't want to bother to go through the. Everybody knows who I am, and that's just who I'm going to be, and I just won't play around. I just won't pretend. It's not that those who once faithfully attended worship services haven't thought about going. But when it comes right down to it, the other things in life have just been more important to them. How many know that we do, unless we have physical limitations, we do what we want to do? How many know that? We do what we want to do. If you want to go to work tomorrow and you work on Mondays, you'll get up and you'll go to work tomorrow. And some people say, well, I have to go to work tomorrow. No, you don't. You have a choice. You have a choice whether you get up out of bed, you can you can ignore life and just say, I'm not gonna do anything but just veg out. You can do you have a lot. How many know that we live a life of choices? We all live a life of choices. You get to choose what you want to eat. Now, some people say, Well, I don't get to choose what I want to eat because I don't have the kind of food. Well, you have choices. It's not just something, you know, when you're I shouldn't say this, but when you're two or three, you really don't have a lot of choices. If you have parents that are really concerned about your well-being, you don't have a lot of choices. You have limited choices because if left to a two or three-year-old, their choices would probably almost always not be very good. You know? Um, but instead of playing church so to speak they have settled into a mindset of it being time to play we are designed by God to experience pleasure how many know this we're designed by God to experience pleasure pleasure by definition is delight enjoyment happiness rejoicing all of those things here's some verses out of the Bible that that the Bible gives for experiencing pleasure. Proverbs 5.18 says, May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Hallelujah. How many, know that? How many know that you can rejoice in the fulfillment of marriage? That pleasure is covered and designed by God for us to experience. Psalm 119.35 35 says, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. We're supposed to experience pleasure in our relationship with God through his word. Psalm 9:2 says, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praises of I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. We're supposed to experience pleasure as we worship the Lord. Those are godly things pleasures that He designs for us. Psalm 127 and 3 says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. How many know we're supposed to experience pleasure in the relationships with our children? We're supposed to have fulfillment and joy in those relationships. Proverbs 27 9 says, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart And the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. How many know that we're supposed to find joy and fulfillment and and pleasure in relationships with our friends? We're supposed to experience that camaraderie and that closeness. And that is covered by the kind of pleasure that the Lord gives Ecclesiastes 2.26 from Solomon, who had in his old age experienced so much and was full of wisdom. To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. So our goal really is talking about pleasing God should be the first and foremost for a follower of Jesus Christ. So God's way for us to have fulfillment and pleasure is through our relationship with Him and seeking to please Him. Also through the marriage relationship as well as our family and friends all under the covering of the Lord. How many know that there is an enemy of your soul that will do everything he can to get us not to only seek sinful pleasure but mindless pleasure, mindless pleasure. While we pretty much have a grasp on what sinful pleasure is, that those things that are blatantly against the word of God, the devil knows that he will get much further with the follower of Jesus Christ, not with sinful pleasure, but with mindless pleasure, mindless pleasure. He's not going to try to tempt you to go and cheat on your spouse because he knows that that's already a line that you've drawn and and it's just not going to happen. He's not going to try to do that because he knows. He can try to infiltrate your life with mindless pleasure. Pastor, what do you mean by mindless pleasure? Mindless pleasure is simply this. Anything that gives you enjoyment, fulfillment, and pleasure that may not be sinful... But is addictive. It is addictive. Addiction is one of the top tools that the devil uses to convince people that it's time to play and enjoy. Playing online games. Is it sinful? If the content is wholesome, no, it's not sinful. Is it addictive? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely addictive. I have some statistics. I didn't have time to put them on the screen, but I want you to listen. You might want to jot them down if you, want to, if you care about statistics. <clears throat> I found a few articles, uh, research reports showing how much time we spend gaming. In their 2019 report, the state of online gaming from Limelight Network showed that the world is gaming a lot more than it did last year. Keep in mind, these were about three years ago statistics. On average, gamers play are playing for seven hours and seven minutes each week. The number is actually up nearly 20% from the year before. That's a huge increase. And if we look at the 26 to 35-year-old age group, the increase is even more dramatic. This group is playing far more than eight hours a week, which is an increase of 25% from the last year. All age groups have dramatically increased the amount that they play each week. The lowest number came from the 18 to 25 age group, which increased the amount they play by 9.9%. The largest increase was from the 26 to 35 age group with about a 25% increase. Even the 60 plus age group increased the amount they play by about 14%. Time spent watching television in the U.S. between, ni- between 2019 and Projected through 2023, estimates suggest that in 2022, U.S. adults will spend an average of around three hours a day, three hours watching TV each day. Screen time statistics on average uh, in in the U.S. versus the rest of the world. I just picked out the U.S. statistics so we can see what's relevant to us. The average American spends over seven hours looking at a screen each day can you imagine i know some of you are like i don't spend hardly anywhere near that just talking about the average of americans the average american spends over two hours a day on social media i know that's hard to believe for some of you but it's right here in black and white how much time does the average american spend on their phone in 2022 most mobile phone users this blew my mind most mobile phone users check their phones up to 63 times a day. 63 times a day. And if you really stop and think about it, you can just go anywhere and around your normal activities and you can see it. There was an episode of a show many years ago and and uh, it was it was a futuristic show, and somebody had brought in a, a a game that was kind of an interactive and it it just it infiltrated this whole place and it just started with a few people and they got so much enjoyment out of playing this game, and it was so interactive it was like it projected this screen right in front of them, and they were just and they would get other people to play it and before long, everybody was playing the game, and nobody was doing their normal responsibilities because they were all playing this game, and it was so addictive and designed to be that so that the person who invented the game could take over their, their environment there. The enemy of our soul seeks to do the same thing. Pastor, you're just picking on technology. Nothing could be further from the truth. Technology is not good or bad. It's how it's used. It doesn't have to be technology. It could be anything, anywhere that you spend your time and you sense a draw toward whatever it is. This just was the easiest target that everybody could relate to. The devil persuasively and cunningly uses the most popular things in our culture in an attempt to addict God's people to a sense of pleasure and fulfillment. Are all of these things wrong? Absolutely not. But you know, for somebody that, for somebody that says, um, well, you know, I think I could just, I could just uh, it, find myself okay if I just didn't have to work, if I just retired. And there's a few people out there that might be like that. But how many of you, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out here, how many of you personally know Personally know somebody who has retired and they are busier now than they were when they were working. Yep. Because simply because they can't find fulfillment in doing just things that are just menial, things that don't matter. Most of those people are doing things and are interacting with other people to help other people, not just selfish interest. Is it wrong to enjoy these activities that are not sinful? Well, it really depends on whether you fall into Satan's trap. First, you have to recognize that it is a trap. It is a trap. How can you do that? Remember what verse 4 says. His goal is to make you a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. That's his goal. He wants you to be so consumed with activities that draw you into their scope that your emotions end up going that direction and you spend so much time with that, whatever it is, that you neglect the things of God And before long, if you're not careful, you have more emotion and more input going into whatever that is than you do going to the creator of the universe who saved your soul from sin. And I don't think that's what God intended. But he can only do that with your permission. If he can get you addicted to pleasure, that addiction that can pull you away from the things of God, well, how can you tell? What do you do? I want you to to just take a catalog right now. What do you do with your discretionary time? Oh, Pastor, I don't have any discretionary time. I'm just busy, busy, busy all the time doing this, doing that. No, we all have discretionary time. We all have discretionary time. Time that we don't have obligated to anything else. I didn't bother to do the exercise today, but I've done it before. You can take take a piece of paper out or your phone or whatever and and put in 168. You don't know a calculator, 168. You have 168 hours in the week and you subtract all the things that you know you have time obligations to. You can subtract your, if you work 40 hours a week, You subtract 40 hours a week if you know that it takes you basically a half hour to eat or hour long it takes to cook or your transit time to go from one place to the other or your grocery shop a few hours a day or a few hours a week or whatever it is. You put all of those things together and you add them all up and you will not Likely, I've seen very few people that have been able to account for all their time. However much time you sleep, however much time you do this, or whatever. I spend, you know, I watch this one show and I spend, you know, so many times. You can put all of those things in that you can think about, and when you're when it's all said and done, you really don't know where all of your time has gone. It's because we have to be purposeful with our time. I appreciate that you guys are here because you are purposeful with your time. Those of you who are tuning in online, I appreciate that you're here and joining us because you're purposeful with your time. How much time? Here's where it comes down. How much time do you use for God? How much time do you use for God? How much? Put it on one side. How much time do I use for God? The devil is banking on the fact that you do not have the willpower here from verse 13, verse 3 about self-control to limit his time-to-play action plan. That's what it is. It's a time-to-play action plan if he can get you. And, and I get it. I get it. I mentioned this, this to you before. I used to, I used to play candy. I still play Candy Crush, but I don't do it nearly as often. But if you're not careful, it's an online game that I play. And I have to limit myself. I play Words with Friends. I play two games. Words with Friends, Candy Crush. I play Words with Friends and I only play with two people. And I guess people have learned because I've gotten invitations to play from other people and I don't because I don't have time. I choose not to do that because can I do it? Sure, I can do it. But I know if I do, then it means a a bigger time commitment on my part. And I'm like, I just don't want to go down that path because... If I give a little here, it's going to multiply and multiply and multiply. Why is he so interested? Talking about the devil. Why is he so interested in your time spent in what could be mindless pleasure? There's nothing wrong with that. But why is the devil so concerned about it? So he can accomplish what verse four says to make you more of a lover of pleasure than a lover of God. That's really what he wants to do. If he can shift your focus from the pursuit of pleasure with a constant time to play mentality, he can keep you away from pursuing your relationship with God and his purpose. How many know that God has a plan for you? He has a plan for me. And if he can keep you, if he can keep you from understanding or finding out what that plan is, that's what he wants to do. How many times have we allowed ourselves to be absorbed in activities that have that that absorbed in activities that have no real significance? And we've missed opportunities to pray. We've missed opportunities to read the word. I didn't read my Bible today, but I played a game online. I watched a TV show, but I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray, but I had time for something else. Oh, Pastor, you're hitting us really hard. No, it's it's really, I just want you to understand and I want you to realize what the devil's trying to do in your life. <clears throat> we say we want a real revival. We say we want the power of God in our lives. But in order to get the power of God in our lives, in order for Him to do something inside of our lives, He has to have... All of our heart, just like we were singing in the song, I give you all my heart. I'm not going to withhold anything from you. That means, God, that you are more important to me than anything else in my life. And my time will show that. I'm going to devote my time to you. The Lord convicted me of, of, you know, I, I, I read on a regular basis. I read my Bible every day outside of any preparation that I do for sermons. I don't just read my Bible to bring something to share with you. I read my Bible every day. And I was listening to my Bible. I think I share this. I was listening to my Bible in the mornings. I get my coffee. I lay on the couch. And I got, my, I got the Bible app, And I listened to the Bible. And I was actually, for, a, for quite a while, I was actually listening to the Bible. But I was playing Candy Crush on silent. So I could hear the Bible. And I'm Multitasking. Multitasking. I mean, if you're good at multitasking, no, you're not, you're not. Trust me. We just think we are. We think we are, but the results don't bear it out. That's all right. Come on. Um, and that, that's, that's accurate. And you can disagree with me if you want. I went through a class. Uh, I went through a class and it talked about that very thing. People all think they're good at multitasking. They can do multiple things at once. But because we try to do that so much we feel inhibited whenever we focus on one thing. We feel uncomfortable if we just focus on one thing. Just like right now there's probably people doing three or four different things while they're trying to listen to me. Online or here, either either place. And That's what the devil tries to do, but my mind drifts if I just try to focus on one thing who is in control of you. We're talking about self-control to come against the power of the enemy. How many how many opportunities have we missed in worshiping the Lord, both in private and together with other followers of Christ? because we have allowed ourselves to be absorbed in other activities. How many times have we missed divine appointments because we were so absorbed in other activities that had no eternal significance? I see good people, Christian people even, go out to restaurants and they'll be absorbed in Technology. Technology's not bad. But how do you know that there may be somebody else that the Lord wants to bring your attention to in that environment? And this is true, not just restaurants, but wherever you go. He wants wants you to be aware of your... How many have ever known that you you heard you need to be aware of your surroundings? You need to be aware of your surroundings for safety purposes. If somebody bad's trying to do stuff, they're going to try to... Find somebody who's not paying attention and you need to be the one paying attention so that you're safe in certain environments when you go to. But in a spiritual sense, we have to be spiritually aware and alert as well because I believe there's a divine appointment that somebody has with us who needs hope and healing through Jesus Christ. How is it? Somebody says something that, you know, I've been going through a really rough time. And if we're absorbed in something else, it's just like a passing thing. We really didn't hear it. It's just like, you know, and it's like we're just waiting for them to get through or whatever. But there may be something that they need to hear. A message of hope. No one can fulfill Jesus' charge to reach others with the good news while walking around in their own world. I mean, have you ever seen people that are just off in their own world? They're just, they're, just, they're just out there, off in their own world. We've got to break that habit. We've got to break that pattern of saying, we've got to break that pattern of saying, I'm going to purpose to pay attention. I've got a purpose to be aware. I've got a purpose of whenever I am here. How would it be if somebody was having a conversation with me? And I never looked at them. Now, there are some cultures where that's not cool, but in, here in America, that's pretty, pretty a pretty given deal. I don't look at them. I don't really talk a lot. I just kind of listen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you say something that is unrelated to what anything they said is because we weren't paying attention and we weren't listening. And they may have said, I just had a death in my family. They may have said something else, and we don't really know. When somebody says, hear me, when somebody says, I'm going through a lot of stuff, and I really need to talk to somebody right now, can you talk with me? Because they've prefaced that with that, I believe that you're thinking, this is really important. Yes, absolutely, we can talk. And you sit down and you have a face-to-face because you're expecting something that is just hurtful to come in that exchange. May I tell you that there are people that will pour out just because you have a relationship with the Lord and they don't, they're do not they not going to be saying, I really need to talk to you. They may just put something out there. And I believe we need to have that same level of capacity to say, I'm going to be more aware and I'm going to pay more attention to my surroundings. I'm going to pay attention so that if there's an opportunity, I want to be able to take it. I believe that those divine appointments are out there for us. As long as we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we have a mission and a purpose to reach souls for Jesus. When's the last time that we actually prayed for somebody that was lost and we felt a sense of a burden knowing that they don't know Jesus and they're going to hell if they don't repent and turn to God? When's the last time we cried out to the Lord? No, I didn't feel burdened. But I did this other activity today. I had time for that. Master, this is heavy. I understand it's heavy. But we are responsible for what we know. We're responsible. When Jesus went to Zacchaeus's house, I me mean, remember that song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a the wee, wee little, little man, man was he. He climbed up yeah, in a sycamore tree. Okay, that's enough. When Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and he declared that salvation had come to this house, Jesus gave the whole of his mission in Luke 19 and 10. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost Luke 19 and 10. I may not have put that one there. Uh, Luke 19 and 10. And then verse 11 goes on. He says, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then returned then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Jesus gave money to his servants with a charge of doing... Jesus talked about the money that was given to the servants with a charge for them to do something because he would come back. And this was a picture, a powerful illustration of how... We have also been given the high level of responsibility to work for Jesus. We have been given something so powerful, unique, and precious. And that is the message of Jesus Christ. Every redeemed by the blood of Jesus believer is charged with being faithful to him above everything else. All other pursuits to live in the fruit of the spirit, which includes self-control. Some people say, well, I've just resigned to the fact that I don't have self-control, so I'm just going to live with it. No, we don't have to live with it. We don't have to live with it. What we do is we we change. We ask the Lord to help us to change. And if there are certain things that we really can't control, then we just have to, to know that we don't do that. I, and and I, I don't know if I finished my story about the Candy crush thing, but you know, the Lord convicted me of that. And when I went on a fast for Candy Crush for 30 days, um, I did that. And when I came back, I haven't picked that back up at the same time as my Bible reading. My Bible my Bible reading on the, on the app has been Bible reading on the app and nothing else. And I've been reading the words. Well, you're a pastor. I didn't think you'd do that. Hey, as far as, you know, trying to do two things at once. Listen, um, I probably tried to do more than two things at once and not been very good at either one. But we're really in a place where people, we need to realize that people need God more now than ever before. When we do this, we will see that He's given us the full opportunity, the time and the means to live for Jesus fully and to show His love through acts of kindness, through prayer and offerings and many other countless ways for all, all for His glory and for His purpose. Church, it's not time to play, but it's time to pray. It's time to get through to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Pray like we've never prayed before. If you've ever been close to Closer to the Lord than you are right now. Get back to that place and get closer to Him than you've ever been before. Don't let distractions muddy up the the waters of your environment. Just say, Lord, I am going to go all the way with you in 2022. Boy, that's rhyming and I didn't even realize that. (laughs) I'm going to go all the way with you in 22. Amen. And He will honor that. He will honor that. Be used by him more than we've ever been used to Him by him before. Sell out to him 100% so there's no question that we can say we've done our best. I don't want to be ashamed when I stand before him of what I might have done but didn't. I've used this illustration before, and of course as a preacher you know your kids can End up in <laughs> sermon stories and both my kids are lying Oh Lord, what's he gonna share now? Yeah. I think Natalie knows. She came home from school and I was going through her Thursday folder, which is a folder that they gave every week so we could see the papers from the week before and the grades and all of that. And um, she did really poorly on a test on a paper and it was it was pretty bad and uh, I think she was probably I don't know it was elementary school and uh, I said Natalie I want you I know that you can do better than this I want you to look me in the eye and tell me that you did your very best because I, I challenged our kids to do their best And if their best was a C, as long as they did their best, that was okay. Mm -mm. Now, would I have liked it to have been an A or a B? Absolutely. And I said, look at me and tell me that you did your best. And she said, I can't. I've never forgotten that. Now, she may have forgotten that. I don't know, but I never forgot that. And it is so powerful because when we do our best see we're not we're not judged according to how somebody else does oh well somebody else seems like they're just better equipped we're all equipped to carry the message of the gospel of jesus christ in different ways we're all equipped to do that and it may be something different for you than it is for somebody else and that's okay But I want to stand before the Lord and say, God, I did my very best with the time that you gave me. How many know that our time on earth is limited? It's limited. I told my dad some years ago, I said, You know, the older I get, the younger you seem. And uh, it's true. There was a point in time when I thought 30 was old. <laughs> When I thought 50 was old, I don't even really think that 70 or 80 seems very old to me now. It's because I can remember 50 years ago, you know, more. I mean, and and I know that some of you think, well, you don't seem that old. You'll so trust me. Um, you know. I guess the furthest thing I can remember is I remember watching the Neil Armstrong walk on the moon. Mm-hmm. I remember yep. that. I don't. And uh, I do. only because, only and I, I only remember a very little bit of it because I was so young, but I remember that because everybody made such a big deal of it. On our three and a half channels that <laughs> anybody, God. that's all anybody had was <laughs> three and a half channels, and I only counted the half because it was like, you know, the public channel that really didn't carry most things that a lot of people would watch but anyway we had three or four channels anyway we had that and and that was on all of the channels so that was the only thing that could be watched because it was such a big news and I remember us watching that and I think wow it has gone by so quickly (gasps) I can think back to when We got married. I can think back to when our children came and we dedicated them to the Lord and how that it's just flown by so quickly. And time just keeps marching on and marching on and marching on. I just want to say, Lord, I've done my very best. I've done my very best. Church is not time to play. It's time to get serious with God. You want him to do something powerful and impactful in your life, then you can do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your, your good news that you challenged us today, God, to take a serious look at, Lord, how we spend our time, how we spend our, our resources for, in our lives. And, God, help us to realize that there's more to life than just what we see. Help us to really have the sense of urgency and importance, God, that we can only get through you. I thank you, God, that even though there may be some limitations that we have, maybe physical limitations, maybe we need a healing right now. Lord, I thank you for the healing. I thank you for your deliverance. I thank you for your touch because your touch always, always is there for us and available for us. But regardless of what state we're in, regardless of what situation we're in, Lord, we thank you because you have reminded us today of who you are. May the fire and passion from our relationship with you burn deep within us so that we can see souls brought to the kingdom of God, so that we can see souls saved and lives touched eternally. I thank you for it, and I praise you for it right now. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen.